0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
1: The Eagles ran the Vikings into the ground. Was that all it took to get their mojo back? Also, the Ravens are already dealing with injuries and how serious are the Rams? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
2: Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story.
1: Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at Jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. The Philadelphia Eagles looking more like the team that run roughshod over the NFC last season and route to a Super Bowl appearance. They go nearly half a hundred times on the ground against the Minnesota Vikings, and they get a win that was never really as close as the final score would have you believe. Gino Camilleri from Locked On Eagles joins me now. And Gino, how, were, how was Philadelphia able to get back on track here? Is it just as simple as pound the rock?
3: I think it's trenches, man. Just good fundamental football. Look at how you're able to create multiple turnovers in this game. I mean, four turnovers from the Minnesota Vikings is unacceptable on their end, but it comes at the hands of the Eagles just playing good football in the trenches make Kirk cousins feel uncomfortable. That was the game plan coming in. And like you said, I don't think the score really does it justice. The Eagles left so much meat on the bone. It's like, they went up to a buffet, took a couple bites and said they were satisfied. And you're looking at the first half and saying, man, if that offense could get it going, where could this team get to? Because the way they closed it out and how they adjusted in that second half, Brian Johnson was taking a lot of heat after week one. And, through that first quarter and a lot of the way through that second quarter, but then they do what they had to. They won those middle eight minutes. They score a touchdown with less than four minutes to go in the half. They hold Kirk cousins. They get the ball again, go down and kick a field goal getting 10 points right before half. And then you get an instant strip sack on the very next drive to start the half. I mean, it's, it's all trenches. And then you go and look at what they did on the ground. When the Eagles were great last year, it was predicated on running the football. And as much as we want to believe that Jalen Hurts and this offense can be a passing offense, if your running offense is this good, there's no reason to try and force it. Because you saw what happens in the pass game once you get the run game going. Look at that shot to Devontae Smith. If they didn't call a clear P.I. on A.J. Brown, you're talking about another long touchdown and those things are going to start to come as well and you just played two coordinators that happened to come from the same tree and Bill Belichick and Brian Flores Bill gave them the game plan on how to beat Jalen Hurts Minnesota didn't take care of the football and the Eagles as many times as they had to go and score even though there were some where they were on the 25 they end up punting from the 49 and they're in the red zone and they end up not scoring again they could have scored 50 points tonight, but what matters is how you close out the games and how you look in the second half. And I thought the Eagles did exactly what they did a ton of last year, Pete, and they really are starting to come into their own. That second half really was the Eagles that I think we all know and love.
1: Yeah, they played with their food in this game Definitely. a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I almost when in, in, earlier in the, in the interview, I almost said they could have scored 50. You're absolutely yep. right. They could have scored 50, DeAndre Swift sets a career high in rushing. He looks every bit like the guy. So many of us were excited to see get Mm -hmm. into this offense, but let's flip it over to the defensive side here because this was an incredibly banged up defensive unit, especially on the back end. It turns out if you have a front that's this good, eh, it doesn't matter that much. But what did you think of the way that this group handled this with,
3: by the way, a new defensive coordinator? Mm -hmm. And I thought Sean Desai has put together two excellent game plans to beat the teams that he has competed against. And in four short days too to do that as a first time really, he was a split coordinator in Seattle. So he never had the true duties of being the guy. Now he's the guy. I thought he did an excellent job. And I think everybody in that room in the defensive front, knows that that game is won and lost because of them. And at the same time, it's Darius Slay. It was really like seven guys out there on defense going against Minnesota because Avante Maddox goes out after James Bradbury is already hurt. Mm-hmm. You're out Nicobe Dean. You're out Reed Blankenship. The second linebacker that you're starting was just on the practice squad and you signed him to the active roster. The Eagles were playing with a hand tied behind their back. But if this is the floor, Pete, to where even with an injured defense, and now you're going to have 11 days to rest before you go and play Tampa in a Monday from now, when they're all healthy, that's when it's going to get scary. But if that front can just continue to hit home, Sariani in his message to the team said it's who's toughest longer. And I really think that's what the message of the defensive line was because Kirk Cousins landed punches. Justin Jefferson had a hell of a game. But when that front needed to come up situationally, Time and time again, much like their counterparts on the offensive line for the Eagles, that's their M.O., man. It might seem silly to go play 1930s football, but in a league where it's starting to get smaller and smaller on the back end, if you can do what the Eagles did and still have guys that can win one-on-ones on on the outside and take away one-on-ones on the outside, which Darius Slay, I mean, the numbers won't look great on Justin Jefferson, but I thought he played an exceptional game for who J.J. is. And that's a game that a great team closes out. In the way that they did.
1: Stay up to date all year on the Philadelphia Eagles by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Eagles on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. And thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Ravens are banged up and set to face an angry Bengals team. Before we get to that, Coach Prime was handed bulletin board material for this week's game. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out the online form and one of their board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medication is safe and appropriate. Then they'll send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies where Jace orders will be filled and mailed directly to your home. And not only this, you can send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com.
0: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
1: Deion Sanders won't have a hard time making Colorado's rivalry game this week against Colorado State feel personal. Rams coach Jay Norvell took a shot at Sanders' habit of wearing a hat and sunglasses during news conferences. He said, I don't care if they hear this in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off. I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. The comments drew applause from the live audience and the show's host, Colorado State football radio voice Brian Roth. Coach Prime addressed his team at practice and said, All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they would have messed up and made it personal. <laughs> Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins is suing the university and coach Lane Kiffin for failure to provide equal protection, racial and sexual discrimination, and multiple other allegations, according to the lawsuit filed Thursday. Rollins said he was recently kicked off the team for missing practices and meetings during a, quote, mental health crisis. Rollins is demanding $10 million in compensatory damages and $30 million in punitive damages. The lawsuit alleges that Kiffin intentionally took adverse action against Rollins on account of race for requesting and taking a mental health break, but not taking adverse action against white student athletes for the same request. It also alleges sexual discrimination on the basis that Ole Miss has not taken adverse action against female student athletes for requesting and taking a mental health break. Men's basketball players at Dartmouth College have become the latest college athletes to challenge the status quo by attempting to unionize. A petition filed with the National Labor Relations Board on Wednesday by the Service Employees International Union identified 15 players from the Ivy League school as seeking representation. The SEIU was listed as the petitioner with Dartmouth College and its board of trustees identified as the employer. But don't expect this to happen right away. This could all take years to play out, according to some legal experts. The Boston Red Sox decided it was time to move on from the head of their front office.
2: Holy crap. Huge news out of Boston today as the Boston Red Sox fire fire. Heim Bloom, the Chief Baseball Officer. I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised that he got let go, but I did not think it would be at this point. I thought they would at least let him finish the season, maybe get one more offseason to see what he can do, but my guess is the Red Sox felt like he wasn't investing enough in the Major League Club. He's done a fantastic job of revamping the farm system, but not really enough to focus on improving the Major League Club at the same time. So I truly thought... They would give him some more time. But my guess is they have somebody else in mind already who's on the phone. And my guess is they needed to just fire Haim to get that person in there. So crazy news. Watch what happens over the next couple days because there very easily could be somebody stepping in just very, very soon. Wow.
1: And Max Scherzer hitting the I.L. for the Rangers is just another in a long string of injuries for Texas. That's just the kind of injury
0: luck the Rangers have had. Texas had six All-Stars this year. Five of them have spent significant time on the injured list. That does not include the two-time Cy Young winner in Jacob DeGrom, a.k.a. best pitcher on the planet when healthy, or Max Scherzer, the future Hall of Famer, guy who was pitching like an All-Star caliber player, the three-time Cy Young winner who is now done for the year. Those guys combined for, what, I think 11 starts? I made this joke on Twitter that, you know what, what's the Mets' return policy on on aces can the rangers get a loner while theirs are in the shop i mean what what is Kode singa really doing on the 2023 new york mets for september 14th through the end of the regular season and the
1: duration of the playoffs he's not doing anything but have come over
4: here
0: is another story you need to know
1: the baltimore ravens got a win in week one over the houston texans but it came at a cost Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Ravens come into a key game in the, in the AFC North, banged up, and already without J.K. Dobbins for the entire season as we record this. Not sure exactly what this offensive line is going to look like. Mark Andrews, will he play? Won't he play? Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens joins us now. It's Ravens-Bengals. It's a rivalry week, Kevin. So what version of this team are we going to get this week?
0: Yeah, well, unfortunately, as he, as you alluded to there, Peter, not not a fully healthy one. As the Ravens lost J.K. Dobbins, as you mentioned, the Achilles injury you just got to feel was so. Two thousand one, the last
1: time they had a fully healthy team. It uh, like.
0: It's I think they're still paying the price for twenty nineteen because they that <laughs> year they had I think they maybe lost one or two starters and they weren't high like high level ones. And then the, after that, it's just been injury plague season. They had the COVID game where they had to play Pittsburgh on a Wednesday afternoon because like 20 guys were out. So they've had a bunch of injury, terrible luck after having really good luck in 2019. So that's where I, that's when I'd say the last one was. But you talk about the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum both go down. Stanley has a knee sprain. Linderbaum has an ankle sprain. John Harbaugh classified them as week to week. So I wouldn't. Say they're probably on track to play this week. I'd probably say they would miss a couple more games after this one. So you're going to have to run with a couple of backups. Baltimore's Baltimore's offensive line didn't necessarily play super well against Houston, who I do. Houston has a couple of underrated players on the defensive front.
1: But Anderson looked really good. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. But now you're going up against DJ Reader in the middle, Trey Hendrickson in that Cincinnati front, and I know Cincinnati's a team that put up a pretty big clunker against Cleveland last week, and this is a divisional matchup. They're looking for a bounce back spot. Baltimore's working with their offense right now. You mentioned Mark Andrews. I would assume out of everybody he's the most likely to play. He's been limited the past two days on, on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll see what Friday brings. But even on the defense, Marcus Williams goes down with a peck injury. He'll be out oh, for a while. Marlon Humphrey real. with a foot injury. He's still not practicing. So we're week two, Peter. And the Ravens already have a laundry <laughs> list of stars that either are out or are injured and might not play.
1: Yeah, their injury report in midseason form here in week two. Uh one one of the bright spots was Zay Flowers in week one. I mean, just absolutely looked the part, someone who, through the preseason process and through training camp, getting rave reviews, looks like, despite his size, looks like an NFL player right now today. If the Ravens are gonna win on Sunday, presumably it's gonna be because this offense with Lamar Jackson and guys like Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews put a bunch of points on the board. What does Zay Flowers bring to this team? Oh, he's he's been incredible. And I've done a bunch of bold predictions. I've put him everywhere.
0: One of them, I think the big one is that to me, Zay Flowers will be the number one receiver on this team by the time the season's over. Mm. And that's again, no disrespect to a guy like Odo Beckham Jr. No disrespect it to It might be bigger. sooner. <laughs> but I feel like with, with Zay Flowers, he brings you this route running element. And I think all the receivers on Baltimore are above average to good, to even great route runners. But with guys, when they break down routes, they have to break it down. Like they come to a stop, or at least close to it, and then they have to go into their next move. Dave Flowers is just so smooth. There's no real breakdown. It's just all one smooth, fluid motion. He's very hard to cover one on one. No one on the Ravens team could stop him in training camp. The pre, he snapped souls every time he's been out there on the field. He did that one. Of the, I think his first NFL catch. He had two jukes. One of them, he put a Texans defender into his teammate and extended the play. So. He's someone that's just so shifty and you can play him both in the slot or on the outside. He's a three level receiver. So when the short game, the intermediate game and the Z game and something that Baltimore did in the second half of their Texans win, Peter is because the offensive line didn't play very well. They had to start mixing things up. And part of that was allowing Lamar Jackson to have more check down options. So what they would do is they would just run Zay flowers on a short, low route. And if pressure got to Lamar, he could just check it down there. And it was something that worked throughout the second half. So flowers, With the Ravens and the depth that they now have at receivers, been something that people have wanted for so long. You have Odell, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Zay Flowers. Not only can he be a player that can complement Odell and Rashad Bateman, but he can do some pretty good stuff on his own. And actually had more total yards, I think, than Joe Burrow did in all of week one. So there's that for you too.
1: Stay up to date on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Ravens on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, will the Rams prove they're not a fluke against the division rival 49ers? Many have said the Rams will be bad this year, like really bad, yet they've won as many games as they've played this year. Now the San Francisco 49ers want to test them. Locked On host Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker joined Locked On Rams host Travis Rogers to break down the game.
3: Uh, I don't think I can pick against the 49ers in this game. They're favored by, what, I think eight points? Eight on, loss, I look. Yeah, on the road. Uh, the 49ers travel well. There's going to be a lot of, you know, I, I don't think you can give the normal home bump in SoFi for, for the Rams. And because of that reason, the 49ers by 10 in this one.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's probably the most likely outcome. The way that the Rams can win this is if they do find a way to keep guys like Nakua hot. If they do find a way to keep Matthew Stafford pretty clean. If they can get a takeaway at a key point in the game. But if it just comes down to a traditional our guys against their guys, the 49ers have better players right now. Now, like like you said, Brian... This is the NFL that even the the best team and the worst team, the talent gaps about this big, right? That there's just there's not a ton of difference, but the Niners might be the most talented team in the league. The Rams are a team, despite how good they looked a week ago, that I believe is still in transition. Now, I think the 49ers win. If the Rams do do it, it's because maybe Brock Purdy gives a couple away. But I I don't expect it.
4: Brock Purdy has been liable to put the ball in harm's way. You know, Patrick Peterson, he was a guy who said he's going to get him. And there's a tale. 49ers went after him. He gave up two touchdowns. It wasn't a great outing for Patrick Peterson, but he did have a couple of opportunities to get his hands on some passes that he just did not capitalize on. So uh, if the Rams have better fortunes when it comes to just kind of catching the ball, Mm -hmm. that is something that could potentially change the game. Looking at the 49ers and just how they're built, it feels like right now a team that's just really difficult to beat And I don't know if I'll pick a team to beat the 49ers for the remaining part of this year because they're so sound running the ball. They're so sound in the passing game. They're so sound defending the run. And they're terrific defending the pass as well. They have guys that take the ball away. Uh, If if, When they lose, which I'm pretty sure it will happen, it'll be a little bit more surprising. But I'm not thinking that it's going to be the Rams this week.
1: Here's the problem. Even if the Rams are kind of for real this year, We've seen even at the best of times when the Rams have teams everyone seems to think is pretty good, they have problems with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is 9-4, and including playoffs, against his former protege. That's a big gap. Even if we take for granted that, oh, the Rams are going to be better than people think, okay, they're still just a huge talent gap between these two teams. And so if you're going to say, okay, Sean McVay is going to elevate them as he clearly did last week at times. And Matthew Stafford can play at a level that Brock Purdy can't reach. I agree with all of those things. Except the 49ers are more talented and there isn't a gap at all between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay in terms of what they can do to maximize their players. Kyle Shanahan has proved that over and over and over. And finally, Dustin Johnson said he would have been selected to this year's United States Ryder Cup team had he not been playing on the Live Tour. Johnson, a two time major champion, instead finds himself a spectator, despite being part of five previous American teams. Did he did he not see this coming? Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, who will have the best week two? And whose season will be all but over? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.